You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. Thank you for tuning in on YouTube uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know we haven't gotten a video up um, in a little bit of time because we've been really busy here, and I did have some technical uh, difficulties earlier on in the week, so we did have a few podcasts up, uh, but haven't talked since Eric Paschal was traded. Uh, the, I've got some thoughts on the Warriors' rotation, how last year's rotation compares to this year's rotation. But I am coming to you now from my hotel room, as you can see, in Sacramento. You can see for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, where the Warriors just wrapped up last night uh, their California Classic Summer League slate. They had two games, um, one against the Kings Summer League team, one last night against Miami Summer League team. And last night was the big one because last night was the NBA debut of Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. Um, I'm, I'll am i talk about Moses Moody at another point for another show, but I wanted to, because I want to dedicate uh, a good chunk of time to Jonathan Kaminga, who I thought was really, really impressive in his debut. Uh, listeners of this program know that I wasn't high on the Jonathan Kaminga pick, that I, I was I was high on him as a prospect, but I didn't think that he was the right player at this point for the Warriors to take at number seven. But that said, it was a lot of fun watching that guy play last night in Sacramento Live. Um, he... There were, there were flashes, right, where you see all the tantalizing ability, the, the physical ability that he has, the speed, the strength, all those things that we'll get into. We'll also, we'll also get into uh, some of the concerns that I have about Kaminga, specifically how his game would translate to the NBA. But right here in the story that I wrote for the Bay Area News Group recapping the game, I go through some, I, I included some of these highlights, and you see things like this that are just unbelievable. I mean, you look at that play here, you see him right here. Starts with, he, he he's coming with the ball in semi uh, he's coming up with the ball in semi transition hits this random Miami Heat summer leaguer with the head fake switches hands on the dribble comes up with the gather and then I mean look at where this guy comes off of uh, or jumps from right from outside the restricted area dunks it with two hands that was probably the highlight of the night but I thought there were several other big moments and again. This is really good for those watching on YouTube. Uh, if you can, I'd be watching there, but um, I'll try to describe it for those uh, who are just listening to the podcast. But another huge move for his first basket in the game. Again, hits him with the head fake, uh, then goes to this windmill type of uh, move and and then finishes with a feathery layup uh, with the right hand. I mean, just really impressive stuff. And what stands out to me, um, about Kaminga is that body control that he plays with, right? You see so often that he can just meet guys in the air, like in this highlight here. He's able to meet a player in the air, draw contact right to the, met- uh, the middle of his body, and push this guy on the Miami Heat. Again, random summer leaguer, but this I looked him up. He's six foot ten, uh, big body, and Kaminga launches from about ten feet away, makes contact with him right outside the restricted area, and just pushes him into the restricted area in midair. All while Kaminga, and while doing this, Kaminga is able to maintain ball control, body control, and then finish with a really tough layup. So these are kind of, this is like the X factor, right? This is why Kaminga was 
a sought-after type of prospect. He did slide down draft boards because he had a really tough pre-draft process. Talking with more people up here at Summer League about his pre-draft process, it sounds like he was getting a lot of advice from the people around him saying, you know, shut down these interviews, flake on these interviews, and people just really couldn't get a good hold of exactly what it was that Jonathan Kaminga wanted or was, right? Like, he, he had a really weird pre-draft process. And I think that's partly why he fell down draft boards. Now, there's a lot of things that are really raw about Kaminga's game, a lot of concerns that I'll touch on, but this stuff is special. Like, this is rare, rare stuff, where he's six foot eight, 210 pounds. He looks bigger than that. He's probably, he's going to get bigger than that. Uh, the Warriors last night played him at the four and the five. They're going to play him a little bit more at the three going forward. That's at least the plan from what Chris Weems told me. Um, but he's got that body, that profile, the physical profile to play all those positions. Um, but that, again, that, that, that physical body control, I think of like early LeBron James, early, uh, Russell Westbrook, early Dwayne Wade, these guys who played above the rim earlier in their careers, but just had this great core control, body control, where they could finish through contact. Uh, I spoke with somebody who worked with the Warriors last night, and he says, he mentioned Kawhi Leonard as a physical type of comparison, not saying Kaminga's going to be Kawhi Leonard, even though I think he has that kind of special potential. We'll see. A lot of the other things got to round out in his game, but um, this is kind of what we're talking about. And if it hits, if this works for the Warriors, then they've got themselves like that apex predator type wing that championship teams are built around, right? And and this could end up uh, working out. Now, there are concerns, right? Like, there are, were times, especially early, but throughout that game, where Kamingo would grab the ball, kind of start a play with an idea of what he wanted to do. He likes to play in transition, semi-transition. Um, and then uh, he would kind of hit him with that head fake. It seems like that head fake is one of his go-to moves. He would hit him with the head fake, drive to the basket, and then be sort of unsure of what to do. And then he would just sort of flip, uh, toss the ball out of bounds, maybe trying to kick out or something like that. Uh, he made really routine passes look really, really difficult at times. You could see here, uh, again, for those watching on YouTube, just this really simple kick-ahead pass to a wide-open teammate uh, driving to the basket. He just sails it completely over his head. Uh, he finished the game with six turnovers. It could have even been more. You could have. There was another uh, uh, play where he wasn't credited for the turnover, but could have certainly been so. Um and zero assists. Didn't have a single assist in the game, despite how much he had the ball in his hands. I mean, the Warriors Summer League team and Chris Weems, and by the way, Bob Myers was at the game sitting courtside, saw him a little bit after the game, but um, they wanted to see Kaminga in action, and they gave him the ball in a lot of different situations. I think the first thing was uh, like a double handoff that got Kaminga the ball. They tried to post him up some early on. They, they got him the ball for open threes and things like that. He did airball a three-pointer pretty badly early on in the first quarter. Um, but he um, they, they wanted to get him the ball, and despite how much he had the ball in his hands, uh, wasn't making uh, uh, quick decisions with it and, and somehow only didn't have any assist to six turnovers. That's, that's bad. And that's not going to work, right, once he gets to the NBA level. That's my biggest concern with him is, Okay, he looked great with all of this space that he was given, right? All these opportunities that he had, but uh, he's not going to have all of that, right? He's not going to get a chance to play through those early mistakes like he did um, last night in Sacramento. Like, if, if he's not playing well and the Warriors need to win a game, he's going to have a quick hook. And by the way, the Warriors need – every game matters right now for the Warriors. This is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs for two years in a row now. 
every game matters to get to the postseason. And Kaminga is not going to have all of this space, all of this opportunity to play through these mistakes. And he's certainly not going to be able to go out there and have zero assists and six turnovers, right? So, look, it's one game, one summer league game. There's a lot of stuff there that you love, a lot of tantalizing special stuff that you just can't teach. But there's obviously some things that they do need to teach Jonathan Kaminga and, and that they need to help him with, specifically with the ball movement. And to Kaminga's credit, after the game, I asked him, about the turnovers, and he said, yeah, I need to just make quicker decisions. I have to uh, not second-guess myself. I need to either just make a move with the ball or move the ball. And I think that's the right thing, especially with the Warriors. We heard that a lot last year in reference to a guy like Kelly Oubre, much more experienced than Kaminga, and that's why Ken Bazemore eventually ended up uh, taking his place in the starting lineup because Bazemore was making those those quick decisions, and that, seemed, and that tends to be what helps you when you're playing next to Steph. And Jordan Poole, same thing. We heard about Jordan Poole. Uh, he really came along strong and rounded out his game, took that leap that we saw him take late last year when he started making those quick decisions, that that you know half a second type of time to make a decision, either do something with the ball, right? Either a dribble move or a shot, or just move on, pass the ball to another teammate and, and keep the offense moving. That's what Kaminga is going to have to do uh, in order for him to function within the Warriors lineups. But uh, for now, it's Summer League. Really impressive, I think, first game for him if you're the Warriors. And you have any questions about taking him at number seven? I think you've, look, you haven't answered all your questions, but I think you just walk away from that game feeling pretty good. Um, the other move that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about was uh, the trade to send Eric Pascal to Utah. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has a ton of delicious flavors? There's something for everybody. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they definitely have their favorites. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors by now, well, you're missing out. They have coconut. Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, they have Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, they have Cookies and Cream, they have German Chocolate. My personal favorite is any of the fruit-flavored ones. It's it's a really great like kind of winning formula, fruit covered in chocolate. Uh, I've been really into the Cherry Barcia recently, Raspberry, uh, Orange, those are my go-tos pretty often. Uh, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you're going to get two each of nine flavors so that you'll end up having your own favorite Built Bar. Not only Built Bar flavors the best tasting protein bars around, but they're healthy too. Uh, just check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, only four to five grams of net carbs. This is something that tastes great, fits with every diet. It's a great pick-me-up. It's a great go-to. You throw it in your backpack when you're, when you're out and about, maybe at your work, finishing a workout. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So go to built.com, use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I also want to tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all of the parts available for your car or truck. And then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, 
Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, back here on Locked on Warriors. Going to compare last year's depth chart to this year's depth chart here in a moment. But wanted to take a minute to talk about Eric Pascal. The Warriors this week agreed to trade to the Utah Jazz in return for a protected future second-round pick. Kind of one of those, you know, nice to have it as an asset, but kind of one of those fake assets. Not really the point. The point in making that move is to free up a roster spot. Um we're already seeing a, a, a numbers crunch happen in the rotation. Again, I'll show you that here in a little bit. Um, but it also sends Eric Paschal to a place that he wanted to go to in Utah, where he's able to play with his childhood friend, um, Donovan Mitchell. I've written about that relationship in the past and in, in Eric Paschal's rookie year. Uh, but both of those guys, they met uh, at church growing up uh, near upstate New York. Um, they ended up playing for the same AAU team that was sponsored by that church. They played later for another AAU team together. And um, they would travel um, down to New York City pretty often to, uh, to play against, uh, together, to play against other kind of guys in the city and in those much tougher AAU circuits together. And it was there, you know, like in, in Harlem and places like that, where they were playing for an AAU team together in middle school and stuff like that. But... Uh, they were kind of known as like the soft kids from upstate New York. And you hear both of them talk about that period in their lives. And they feel like that kind of made them who they were and gave them that chip on their shoulder, that motivation that they needed to basically want become NBA players. Um, so I think it's really cool that Pascal gets to reunite with Donovan Mitchell. The Utah Jazz are obviously trying to keep him happy. But I don't think that's just what this move is. I've seen that out there. Like Eric Pascal, I know he had a down year for the Warriors last year, but he's a good player, right? Uh, not a ton of upside there. He, like I, he's pretty much, he, there's not a really high ceiling there. I know that there are things that frustrated Warriors fans about his game, but um, and Warriors coaches about his game. But he's he's a tweener forward. He can play the four, he can play the five for them. Give him some scoring punch. This is a team that needs a little bit of scoring punch. And really, Utah has made the most of these like tweener forward guys in the past, right? They do a good job with these guys. You heard the Warriors say, "Hey, if Eric Pascal can just get that three point shot down, it's going to work." It took him a couple of years. It didn't work out. You look at the rotation, the way it's laying out. There was just not a clear path for minutes for Eric Pascal. They sent him to Utah. I think Utah, they've gotten got they've, they've gotten the most out of guys like Georgie Yang and, and things like that. I, I think they can, if there's a team that can get Pascal to fix that three-pointer, stabilize that jumper, and become the best version of him, Utah is up there with some of the, they, they've done a really good job of player development these last few years. So I really, I, if Pascal's going to succeed, I think he could, he could succeed in Utah, and I think he could be really helpful to the Jazz. Um, so I like the move for them. Obviously, it was necessary for the Warriors because they just needed to loosen up some of these roster uh, number crunches and things like that. Um, Eric Pascal last year, we can just do like a quick recap of his <laughs> two-year career with the Warriors. Was uh, had a really sensational, like surprising rookie season. The guy uh, drafted, uh, you know, sec uh, in the second round out of Villanova in 2019. Injuries, all these things. Steph Curry breaks his hand his rookie year. All the kind of just set up Eric Pascal to just uh, take over games and be like a go-to scoring option. One of the Warriors' most important players during that 15-win season. And there were times just as a media, you know, as one of the beat reporters where it just felt like I was talking to Eric Pascal every day. That he was the kind of the face of the franchise for a really long time. Whereas every post-game press conference, we were talking to Eric Pascal every week. 
I was writing something new about Eric Paschal. I did big takeout features on Eric Paschal, talked with him, talked to his dad, talked to his family, talked to people in his life, talked to Donovan Mitchell about him. Um, it, he was like the face of the franchise for several months there. And then in his second year, uh, comes off the bench early on in that season, the Warriors found some success with Eric Paschal playing that small ball five with a bunch of other shooters and floor spacers. And that was their go-to lineup earlier in the season. We remember that comeback win over the Lakers that they had, and that and, and that Pascal at the five lineup was really helpful in that comeback. Um, but ultimately, he's six foot six, 250 pounds, really, really strong, one of the strongest guys in the NBA, I think. But there's a limit to that body, and playing center every single night just wasn't going to work. And his body broke down. He dealt with uh, a knee issue. He dealt with, I think, a wrist issue. And then the big one was the hip flexor strain that kept him out for most of the end of the season, specifically during that playoff push that the Warriors made going into that play-in tournament. So um, Pascal wasn't around. He got healthy like late in the year, but the Warriors were already in a flow. They didn't really play. I think he played one game in the last you know week or two of the season. Um, but uh, that was sort of a disappointing, anticlimactic end to his tenure in Golden State. But I'm happy for him. I think Utah would be a good spot. And uh, the fact that the Warriors were able to get something back not have to spend a ton of money to get, not spend any money to get off of Eric Paschal's contract. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And we're going to talk about that roster here next. But first, I want to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your, your, your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus uh, on your first deposit when you use that promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, back here with Locked On Warriors. I want to take a moment now to sort of break down the Warriors rotation. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I've laid out um, a depth chart here that you could see um, breaking down exactly um, the differences between the 2020-2021 Warriors and the 2021-2022 Warriors depth chart. And so you see the big difference. So at point guard, obviously you're going to have Steph Curry. Everything's built around him. Um, but you compare that that's that starting lineup at the end of last year. Steph, Kent Bazemore, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. By the end of the year, it was really only Jordan Poole, uh, Michael Mulder, and Juan Descano Anderson that were in that closing lineup uh, or in that rotation, that eight-man rotation for them. Eric Paschal was dealing with injuries. James Wiseman had the MCL thing. Kelly Oubre was dealing with the wrist thing. Um, Damian Lee was out with um, the coronavirus stuff that happened. Uh, they did have guys like Gary Payton. Jordan Bell, Nico Mannion available, but they weren't, you know, part of the regular rotation. They kind of settled in on those eight guys. Um, and obviously, Clay Thompson was hurt for the season with the Achilles tear. Now you look at what this Warriors rotation is going to be, and what stands out to me is just how much you can kind of see here, how many more options they have at the wing position, right, on the perimeter. There are just so many more options, and we can even put Juan Descano Anderson into that mix, but um, we know Steph... We know Klay Thompson, bringing back that Splash Brothers backcourt, that's going to be huge. And ultimately, I do think 
that the Warriors' success this season. We talk a lot about free agency and all these things, but what Clay Thompson looks like, if he's healthy and he's close to what he was before he got hurt, then I think the sky's the limit on this team. Uh, but if he's anything less than that, I, 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 I don't know what to make of this roster yet. They're probably still a playoff team, but I don't really know what to make of that, of their real chances in the Western Conference. But um, again, you look at this wing group, Clay Thompson, Moses Moody, Damian Lee, Michael Mulder, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter Jr., Jonathan Kaminga, and like I said, we could throw Juan Descano-Anderson in there as well. Jordan Poole is a part of that. Um, they have a lot of options. And by the way, right now, Gary Payton II and Nico Mannion are still on the roster. We'll see. I think one of them is going to end up sticking. Maybe uh, Mannion comes back on a two-way. Gary Payton, because of his years of service in the NBA, can't sign a two-way contract. Um, I would assume that he's probably not long for the Warriors here. But a really promising summer league could help him. He is on the summer league roster. So, again, there's going to be, uh, by trading Pascal, they have, if you include Nico Mannion, who they um, did extend a, a qualifying offer to, they have 16 guys on the roster. Again, if, Nick, if Nico Mannion does come back, they can, that's, that's okay for training camp, right? They can carry up to, I think, 20 guys in training camp. Um, but then they have to get down to 15 players by opening night. But a guy like Nico Manian could end up just re-signing if he doesn't get an offer somewhere else back to a two-way. Um, and, and like I said, Gary Payton just can't. So, But there's a way to keep both of them if the Warriors are really you know happy with them. But by trading Eric Paschal, it also opens up the opportunity to maybe go use a minimum contract on another guy. They can go out and sign another veteran point guard. Maybe it's a Frank Nilakina, Alfred Payton, Dennis Smith Jr., I've heard the name Lou Williams tossed around. Maybe, I just, I don't think it's a great fit. Lou Williams is really just a pick and roll type of player. Um, the Warriors, as we know famously, do not run a lot of pick and roll. So I don't know that Lou Williams is a great fit there, but um, they have options and they might make an addition here. What I don't expect them to use is the mid-level exception, that $5.9 million taxpayer MLE. Um, it's just going to be really expensive for the Warriors. We've heard Bob Myers say that his limit is probably $400 million for this the you know the the ultimate salary and luxury tax bill for this roster and by using that 5.9 million dollar mid-level if they use the full allotment that could cost them upwards of 45 million dollars right in luxury taxes when you consider all the luxury tax implications so uh you go tell joe lakeup that you're paying 45 million dollars for alfred payton or something like that you know like good luck so I don't expect them to use that full $5.9 million unless somebody gets bought out and it's an obvious difference maker, a guy who really moves the needle uh, in the direction of, hey, now we're, our championship chances are much better because we just signed this player. But if that player doesn't come in, look, they wanted Patty Mills. They would have used the MLE on him. They wanted Nick Batum. They would have used the MLE on him. But those guys went elsewhere, and now the Warriors are sitting here. I do like the Otto Porter edition. I like the Bielitsia edition, especially if they can stay – well. Only if they can stay healthy. That's why they were available on the minimum. But if they can stay healthy, um, those guys should help round out the rotation quite nicely. Um, but you look, again, between last year where they were hobbled at the end playing basically just eight guys versus this coming year. And obviously everybody's healthy, um, including, like, not Wiseman yet. I talked to him a little bit after the game. He said he's doing really well. He was, there, he was here in Sacramento. Um, they expect him to hopefully be ready by training camp. But you just look again at the middle of this lineup. You look at the wings here that they have, the, these guys on the perimeter, and there's just so many more guys available, right? Like, you just, there's just way more options there on the perimeter. And that's ultimately what the Warriors need is just lineup flexibility, chances. You have proven guys like Otto Porter, Damian Lee, 
Jordan Poole to a certain degree. Obviously, the starters and Steph Clay and Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Juan Escano Anderson, uh, who's versatile. And then you've got those young options too. Moses Moody at six foot six, seven one wingspan. Um, can make three-pointers, I think, right away. John Kaminga, who we talked about at the top of the episode, with a really impressive first uh, debut in Summer League. So they've got options here, right? They definitely have options here, and that's going to be key when Steve Kerr is running out there and trying to form these lineups and trying to do things like that. Uh, you just you want options over the course of regular season, and that's what the Warriors did so far um, this offseason. But that'll do it for us today. Thank you to everybody who watched on YouTube or listened uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll have another episode for you later this week. Um, So make sure to subscribe and follow wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube, of course, um, for the visual aspect as well. You can reach me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Do that now. We might try to actually just do an end-of-the-week mailbag. That could actually be pretty fun. So let's let's plan for that. Maybe a Friday mailbag. So get in your questions now. Uh, But for now, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for following along. See you here tomorrow.